Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, for a special Fifth Tuesday edition, and we're making this our first ever Ask Anything episode. We've had a number of questions submitted via social media, and for the next hour, we're going to talk through as many of them as we can. We'll talk about everything from Halloween to annihilationism to how to point your kids towards Jesus and a lot more. We hope you enjoy this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. I am Brian Kiley, joined by the Lance Hahn. Whoa, I am the Lance Hahn. Hello. With, yes, with a definite article. Yes, with a definite um, I would article. like to point out real quick before we get started, because yep. I think this is very critical for this particular podcast. Okay. Uh, you were talking just off air there about Lark. I was. Can you share a little bit? For those of you that are watching, right. I love the idea that some of you watch live. That way we have to make sure that we do our hair. Um, <laughs> and that is you are going to be staring an awful lot at this intriguing water bottle that periodically lights up on the lid yep. like Alexa. Yeah. It is not Alexa. It is a water bottle. That's right. Today's episode is brought to you by <laughs> Lark. This is an unpaid endorsement. Yes. So uh, my brother got me this water bottle for Christmas last year, except uh, it was a Kickstarter campaign. So it, it was not yet made as of last year. It was only, he gave me a picture of a water bottle. Which initially sounds like a lame present. It was a very lame present. And it only just came in the mail last week. For those listening later, today is October 30th. So do the that math. It's about 10 months late. But the, the selling thing on this water bottle is you press a little button, beep boop, for those of you watching live, there it is. It's there blue. It is. That means it is using UV juju or whatever <laughs> to clean the water, which I'll be honest, I, you know, I am blessed to live in a place where access to clean water is not a real issue, but I do a lot of hiking, a lot of outdoor stuff yeah. where there's water around and the idea of not having to carry a ton of water because I can purify water anywhere I go. That is appealing. Okay. So. You know what? Since we're doing a bunch of question and answering, I have a question for you. <laughs> yes. Bring it. Um, as Mr. Outdoor guy. Okay. You know what? I went outdoor one time. To get to my car. Just once? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just went right back inside. <laughs> anyway, um, so if you go to a puddle of water and it is gross looking, like it's dark right. and everything else, and you scoop it up and put it in there, and it says that it does its little mojo <laughs> juju thing, and it cleans it all out, does that mean it's good to drink? Because it only really kills the critters, Right. But it doesn't right. clear the dirt. Well, yeah, see, I'm not, it says it has to be clear water. So it can't oh. have like dirt in it. Okay. But if it's like a lake or a stream or whatever, yeah. that that allegedly is supposed to work. Now, I haven't tested this out yet. We'll see. If I end up puking after my next hike, <laughs> we'll know that clearly it didn't work that well. And it's just but a flashy now, light. It's just, I mean, I was joking with, with Lucian, our audio engineer. It's just another thing in my life that has to be plugged in. So. <laughs> Wow. Yay. Yeah. First world problems. Yeah. I, or Yes. Oh, so true. I actually have a variety of different adapters that plug things in. So like, for example, you know how you have your cell phone charger, but then you have like the backup where it has extra battery yeah, ones. Yeah. I had to find the charger for that in order to charge that in order to charge the phone, which we we're going to go on a trip. And I, they were all different adapters. It was rather insane. Multi-level charging here. Yes. Plugging in cameras have a different adapter than your little water bottle and stuff like that. Yes. Anyway, it's not that I am against Lark. 
I think that uh, Lark is an awesome product. So far, it just looks cool. So far, so good. And, you know, yes. hey, Sorry, we are wasting fun. your time on the air. We are, uh, as if that's different than normal. I'm not really sure how. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. Here's how today's episode is going to go. We have a handful of questions. Uh, if you're watching live, you can submit a question on Facebook, and we might get to it. We're going to just work through these questions. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason to them, and we're just going to have fun. It's a fifth Tuesday. We don't have a lot of fifth Tuesday episode, so we're just going to try to have a good time with it. Um, first question is actually not on this list, but it was submitted over Instagram, and it is a really important question, yes. so I think we need to start with it. And the question is this, Lance, if you had to choose to which way to die between these two choices, okay. which would you choose? Yeah. An alligator attack yes. or drowning in mayonnaise? Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. Alligator attack. No way am I going to die. Okay, so the idea of suffocation freaks me out. So whether that is, here's the funny thing. I'd rather be eaten by a shark if he was on land. Because the idea of being eaten by a shark and drowning at the same time, that would be so brutal. Come on, man. So if the alligator... Okay, so let's take the I'm just alligator. I'm picturing this shark flopping Land around, shark. but then like chomping on your face. It's uh, a pretty hey, funny picture. he could be picture. on the beach. He could be a beach <laughs> shark that attacked me when I was trying to put him back in the water. I'm a good-hearted man. Um, I'm probably tasty as well. But here's my point. That an alligator, at least you have like a fighting chance. You're like, oh, I think I can make it, as opposed to, oh, no, I'm slowly dying in mayonnaise. Which, by the way, that's a lot of mayonnaise. Lot of mayonnaise. I'm <laughs> six foot three, 200 pounds. That's a serious <laughs> amount of mayonnaise. <laughs> and when you're just slowly going under, it's like the slowest death in the world. Um, uh, you remember the movie Austin Powers? Oh, yeah. And all that thing? Uh, there was also a movie recently um, where somebody was trying to get a bad guy and they hit a conveyor belt and it went so slow it, did, it didn't go anywhere. Anyway, that's how I feel like dying in mayonnaise would be, is that it would be so slow you just go, I'm just... I'm just bored now. Just kill me. I'm bored with I'm my bored own death. With my own death. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very uh, important. You? It is. Oh, absolutely. Alligator attack. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about, if I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm all about dying as quickly as possible. Yes. And I feel like while an alligator attack would be very unpleasant. Yes. It would go a lot faster. And I'm with you. Suffocating to me ugh, gives me the willies. So somehow being eaten alive by an alligator seems better to me than... Okay, I, 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 maybe I'm with you. Maybe I'm with you on this piece, but you said the phrase, I want to die as quickly as possible. I'm not sure that's true for me. Like, if death is inevitable, oh, I know. let's just get it over with. I know, but here's the thing. Here's what I don't really like. I don't like to be surprised. Like, so we're, we're recording around the time of Halloween, yep. right? And I was watching online the other day with my daughters. Um, the scare ones, you know, like Jimmy Fallon and Ellen DeGeneres, they take their staff members or famous people and make them go through a haunted house uh -huh. where they have these scares and these people are like collapsing on the ground in fear. <laughs> it is so funny to watch them. Okay. <laughs> that is not funny for me. Like I don't go to haunted houses. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. And I don't like being caught off guard and scared like that. And so I'm wondering whether or not I need a little bit of warning then death. That's my, my whole point, is that it's something, like, I'd hate to go, hey, I was walking in the street, bam, and then you're gone. I would much rather go, oh, no, there comes a bus, or whatever. I want to be able to have a warning, and then, or if I get eaten by the alligator, and then I'm just laying in bed for, like, a day, going, I think he's not going to make it. I don't think he's going to pull through. I feel like I need a little warning, and then I can go. 
Yeah, I'm definitely not with you on that. If death is inevitable, <laughs> let's just get it over with. Okay. Quick and painless. Like, I've always joked, if nuclear war broke out, I hope the first one lands on me. Like, okay. let's just, we're done. <laughs> we're moving on to glory. <laughs> There's just no more. So, anyway, I'm a huge wimp, so that sort of fits with with that. So, we're obviously tackling some really hard-hitting issues on today's episode of the, the podcast. We are engaging culture. Lucian has just given up. He's not even watching no, us anymore. No, he's no longer he's, watching he's, us. He's, our okay. audio engineer has just left us to our own devices here. Yeah, well, so, he's a hockey fan. Uh, here we go. Uh, all right, so we are recording the day before Halloween, so we did get a few different questions asking, what do we do with Halloween? Now, we did a whole episode on holidays in season one of the podcast, so if you're interested, go back and, and look at that. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else, but we'll talk about this. Uh, what do we do with Halloween? Is it appropriate for Christians to celebrate it? Is it okay to trick-or-treat, dress up in costumes, etc.? Lance. If your costume is stupid, please don't do it. Amen. There you go. No, okay. Uh, there are really creative costumes, but that's not that's not why they're asking the question. Right. They're asking like more for is it vi- is it offensive to God that we would celebrate what is referred to as a pagan festival? I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much what they're trying to get to, right? Yep. yep. And um, he, he, I'm going to give you the short version because I gave you the long version on the first season. Uh, short version is I think it's absolutely okay in most circumstances to celebrate that and usually that is because of the premise i do not i am not pro giving satan more territory yeah i i hate the idea that people go oh that's just satan do not hand him territory i don't care if it's his birthday <laughs> i will take over his birthday and give the glory to jesus because the point is i'm not just going to back up and scoot back so he can have a bunch of weird stuff going on i would yep. rather have a glory to the Lord. And the idea that your little kids can dress up, what other times do they get to dress up during the year where it's ap- appropriate right. for them to be a Power Ranger or whatever? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I love the idea that kids get to have fun and joyful stuff. What I find interesting is that Easter, people don't like that it moved away from the meaning of Jesus into bunnies and eggs. Mm-hmm. But Halloween, they're very thankful it moved away from, you know, right, the Day of the Dead or whatever, All Hallows Eve, yeah. into all we're doing is having a harvest festival and we're eating cho- uh, caramel apples. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind totally. of a funny thing because it was migrating from where it started from. So the only areas I do not like it, I don't like the fact that there is a day where um, Wiccans and um, Satanists, which are very different, by the mm-hmm. way, yeah. Um, feel like this is a special day for their worship. I don't like Mm, that. But I'm not going to stop that by me not dressing up as something, right? Right. So if I'm not going to stop that, uh, the idea that we would reclaim it in joy in the Lord to the pure, all things are pure. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of recapturing it for Jesus and going out and having a blast. Mm -hmm. I think our joy tanks need to be filled up a lot more so that sin pales in comparison. Yeah. Um, and I think that whole I'm going to be sober, somber, and sour mm-hmm. kind of attitude in Christianity uh, traditionally is is giving the devil way too much of a foothold. So yeah. in my opinion, it's all good. I know where it came from. I get all that. The I don't like what a lot of it is used for, mm-hmm. and I'm not a fan of scary costumes. I'm not <laughs> a fan of hideous-looking, bleeding things. Right. So not a big fan of zombies, not a big fan of all that, but that's just a personal preference. Uh-huh. Okay, you, tell us the real answer. The real answer, okay, now that yeah. you've got that out of the way, yep. is, uh, yeah, no, I generally agree. You know what's funny is that I, I talk about this as it relates to Christmas and Easter, and I think I, I said this when we did the episode a while back, is that those, Christmas is essentially two holidays. You have Christian Christmas and secular Christmas, mm-hmm. and they're 
celebrated at the same time, but they're actually very different. Like yes. one is trees and lights and wreaths and ornaments and gifts and all of that. Which and the is other, still fun. Which is still fun. And the other is Jesus. And yes. most Christians celebrate both. I mean, they're yes. not literally two different holidays, but functionally, yes. that's kind of how they exist oh, in I society. Agree. And that's fine. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. And in, in a sense, yes. Halloween is kind of the same. I agree. Except the percentage that are treating it as something actually spiritual is much lower than you would find at Christmas or Easter or whatever. So, uh, you know, are we going to, if we had Wiccan neighbors, which to my knowledge, we do not, but you know, we're obviously not going to go join them in whatever it is they're doing on Halloween. Like that, no, we're not going to engage with any sort of spiritual element of Halloween. And I, and I would say this also is I've known people who, who come from maybe other countries where yeah. just the spiritual presence is much more yes. just intense. And for them, the idea, I mean, Halloween is just evil because right. of what they've seen. Like I have complete, yes. completely respect that posture because it's based on their experience. Absolutely. So I, I, I honor that 100%. And that's what I meant by, in, in most cases, right. it's fine. But there are people that have had trauma, satanic abuse, things like that, and this is the worst <clears throat> day of the year. And if you've got to stay away from that, do it. You like, need to stay away from that, and I don't think we need to press it upon them. Yeah. Our freedom should not violate Totally. Their their ability yeah. to enjoy life, but for the rest of it, for sort of the secular element of Halloween, right. it's super fun. And here's what I like about it from a Christian perspective: if you don't have the the background that I've alluded to, where it's you know damaging to you, I love the fact that everybody's outside in your neighborhood. I love the yeah, fact that, that people happens. are literally. It's what's funny to me is like you know the whole traditional thing of going up and ringing doorbells and all that. Yes, I find that every year that is happening less and less, and the reason for that is people are out in their driveways. Like, I love that. People are out in their driveways. They're around oh, the neighborhood. My wife and I, we set up a table and make a bunch of hot chocolate. So it's available for chaperones and people stop and they chat and oh, we have a good time. Nice. And the kids are dressed up. Are you dressing up this year? No. You didn't dress up last year either. No. What the heck, man? Uh, I'm actually a bah humbug <laughs> in almost That's all holidays. Right. You are. Yeah. My family and I, we are dressing up as the Incredibles. So oh. get ready for that. That's going to be exciting. And... Um, Anyway, I see it as a real opportunity to deepen relationships in the neighborhood. I think for Christians to be present in their neighborhoods is it's a wonderful opportunity. So so if anything, my encouragement to those who tend to maybe, oh, we're going to go out to a movie or oh, we're going to turn off all the lights and not be around, like you're missing a huge opportunity to build relationships in your neighborhood. So I say trick or treat, eat the candy, give good candy, by the way, at your oh, house, give good candy yeah. and and just have a great time. It's fun. That is awesome. It's fun. You Good know, answer. No seances, no devil stuff. Nope. But, you know, and I'm with you on the scary costumes. I like funny costumes. I agree. I like costumes that uh, make me laugh. Real quick question. Who's Violet? Who's Violet? Uh, we don't have a Violet. Okay. We have sort of- Which uh, is an Incredibles character. Incredibles character, yeah. We've got the two parents and then the two boys. So Dash, Dash both of them are and Jack-Jack. Oh, oh uh, Jack-Jack. Yeah, so even though Joey is a little big to be Jack-Jack, he's going to be Jack-Jack. Oh, that's so fantastic. It should be and, fun. And um, are you going to be bulking up for this role? Uh, I've been lifting weights. Uh, okay. No, obviously I have not been. Uh, but you know how the hos- costumes are made these days with the fake muscles built yes. in? Yes. I'm all, I'm all good You're to go. all good. And good then go, the fact that Christy used to be a gymnast... You're right. Is that the Elastigirl connection? There you go. Yeah, okay. she's got the Elastigirl connection, and she's nice. only four eleven. So her <laughs> right. her costume came from like the kids section, and it was still a little big. So. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that's Halloween. 
There we go. Lance, why don't you ask whatever, pick a question from our list and let's go. Um, yeah. So uh, let all, I got to remind all of our listeners, if you're brand new to this engaging culture stuff or anything that's engaging with Bridgeway, remember that there is also a podcast called Ask Pastor Lance. That means that we we do that in the same studio and Pastor Brian asked me questions. So I feel like <laughs> I'm trying to get out of that rut is yeah. that I'm doing the same thing here. Right. It plays on the local radio here in Sacramento. Uh, at 12.30 on Fridays, people can hear that Ask Pastor Lance. So I feel on like... On KFIA. On KFIA. So I feel like um, on some of these questions, I'd much rather have like Ask Pastor Brian <laughs> to get out of this. Um, all right, here we go. I'm going to have you kick off. We're going to question number three here. Okay. I'm jumping number over right. two. Let's do it. Um, why is it that some people get saved and experience a radical long-term transformation, but others seem to get saved and it doesn't stick? Short answer? I don't know. That was helpful. Okay. Longer so, answer. Every- <laughs> longer answer. Um, that's why there's no ask Pastor Brian. That's right. Yeah, it'd be really boring. I, was like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. Just go. Why would you ask me that? Google it. I don't know. Um, I, no, I, I really don't know. And I think we need to answer yeah. questions like this with, with, yes. with some humility. But For I do sure. think that uh, there are a number of different directions you could go with this. Some mm-hmm. would say that, well, if someone uh, seems to have a salvation experience and it doesn't stick, then maybe what was going on was just sort of emotional more than spiritual. Maybe they don't really seem to, you know, like... So whatever appears to be happening isn't really happening, or in those for whom it sticks, like they're truly being transformed and and saved. And the, the other part of me says that I think that God just deals with people differently. Yeah, like some people are going to have a salvation experience, and then night and day they just begin yes. to change, and it's it's almost like salvation starts and then sanctification goes into overdrive, right. so to speak. But for some people, the process of getting like. In, in our culture, in sort of evangelical culture, we have the pray the prayer right yes. now and get saved, which I'm for that. I've led that in the past. I'll lead it in the future. I'm not saying it's bad, but I do think that that's not always how it works for some people yes. in the sense that like, oh, I just had this moment. Like maybe the spirit of God is working on people over the course of time. Like I can use myself as an example. I'm not sure exactly when I became a Christian. It was sometime my freshman year of high school. I don't recall like ever going forward in a service or raising my hand or doing, it was just sort of like, I follow Jesus now. I've repented of my sins. I've, you know, was there a moment? Have I done all those things? Yeah. But I think even for me, my process of transformation was, was very gradual and it's ongoing. Um, but I do think there is the truth that, and, and this is why I, I wrestle with the way that our emotions play into our faith, because I do think there are times where it's just an emotional experience can take place that leads us to believe something's happening that's not really happening. And that sounds a little cynical, but I think that does happen sometimes. Yep. And, I, and it's not because people are bad. It's not because they're being manipulative or anything, but it's just the way our emotions tend to work. So sometimes if we think someone's having an experience and there's no fruit of it later on, Maybe they were just sort of caught up in the moment and they weren't really having an experience, an experience with the Lord. But I think the bigger issue is God just works with people differently. And, and I think it's, it can be difficult if we take our experience and try to say, well, this is how it worked with me. So it ought to work like that with you or with anybody else. Right. Because God just deals with us in different ways. All right. Clean that up. That was a mess. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought it was awesome. Um, I tend to look at everything when it comes to God through a relational lens. Mm-hmm. And so I think about when did I uh, – because really you get saved 
Um, the Bible says that we must know Jesus. That's a deep emotional connection, right? So I think about how do we fall in love? Well, for some people, it's a lot quicker than other people. Um, I think that you can fall into infatuation. A lot of people talk about, you know, oh, it was love at first sight. Oh, yeah. Probably infatuation (laughs) at first sight. Right. That's the, oh, my goodness, I was overwhelmed emotionally. I think that when we get saved or engage with Jesus for the first time, sometimes there's such a radical reaction to forgiveness Hmm. that there's an instant uh, infatuation with the Lord. Wow, you love me that much. Mm -hmm. And then there's an all in. And then they grow to love the Lord. So uh, I think there's other people that are very slow cookers, right? <laughs> Which is, I, I got to learn this stuff. I got to figure out this. I got to hash this out. I got to sort out my own heart. I got to do all that stuff. So that's a long way of saying your simple phrase, which is God works with people differently. Um, However, I would add one other piece to this. Jesus talked about it. He Mm -hmm. talked about it in the parable of the sower. He -hmm. said that out there sowing seed, some fell on the rocks instantly. There was nothing. Nobody got, you know, that's the word of God being sown out. Didn't get into their heart. It was hard. Mm -hmm. But some of it bounced over here and, you know, ended up getting choked away, and some of it landed over here and and got burned up, and then mm-hmm. some of it landed here, and it took root, mm-hmm. right? Um, for him to say that, I know it's not popular for people to talk, you know, because everybody wants this, once saved, always saved, it was the prayer, it was the ABC, accept, believe, confess, boom, you're yeah. in. Yeah. Jesus said it different. Yeah. And so whatever you Not quite th- that clean. Yeah, whatever your theology is... Uh, and whether you're a five-point Calvinist, mm-hmm. you need to deal with the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. And he seems to indicate that it has to do with the condition of the heart. Now, every five-point Calvinist I know is going to go, yeah, well, God controlled the heart and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is Jesus told people the story as if they needed to do something about it, not merely pointing out a reality of what did occur. Mm-hmm. I think he was teaching that and saying, may we have soft hearts to receive the word. Yeah. Um, yes, he was also telling his leaders, this is how people will react. Um, but I still think that there was a mandate in there. Mm-hmm. And so you still have to wrestle with the parable of the sower, which some people get all in in one shot and some people do not. Right. Well, and some people have the appearance of being all in yes. when in fact they're not. Yeah. And, the, and and likely where you're going to find that out is do they do that in other areas of life? Yeah, that's um, a good point. You know, uh, it was funny. I recently saw a movie. You'll notice I'm not naming any of the movies. <laughs> Because I always get in trouble, and everyone's going to go, Pastor, you shouldn't have seen that movie. And we've already named Austin Power, so, you know, yeah. that's inviting yes. something. That was inviting something. You shouldn't have brought that back up. Dang they already it. forgot Sorry. about that one. Forget that we said that. Go anyway, on. Anyway, I recently saw a movie where there was singers, and when they sang this song and they came out on stage, I got the same chills that I got in worship. Yeah. And there was an experience happening there. And it was very emotional for me, mm-hmm. but one was involving the Lord and one was not in the same way. Yeah. doesn't mean that the Lord was not present in that movie and that he was not saying, oh, wasn't that amazing? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Hey, I gifted those people with that voice. Sure. I still think I was engaging with the Lord because I engaged with the Lord in everything, uh-huh. but it's not the same as a worship service. Right. But I had a very similar emotional reaction just to uh, basically back up what you said earlier. Yeah, no, that's a really good. That's I'm a really here good to analogy. back you up. Here to Pastor back me Brian. up. Oh, well, can I continue on? That. Please do. I don't like it when you ask the questions. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Um, here, this is the, uh, we're going to go on question five here. And I don't I, even know which you're referring to. They're not numbered on our sheets, so just you know. 
can can you actually talk for a second? So, uh, oh boy, Lance is sneezing, everybody. <laughs> okay, All I'm right. back. He's back. All right. <laughs> I was like, how do you, cover for me. Did you like that play-by-play? -play? <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. You just froze up. Okay, I'm never relying on you again. All right, here we go. What is our responsibility for the sins of others? In Nehemiah 1.6, Nehemiah confesses the sins of the people of Israel, including his own. Can we or should we confess the sins of others. Our nation has sinned greatly against God. We as a nation allowed slavery. We continue to allow abortion. These are statements they're making. What is our responsibility before God and with each other for these sins? Pastor Brian. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting question. And and there are a few different aspects of it that I want to I want to talk through briefly. Number one, I don't think it's a bad thing to repent for the sins of our nation, to repent for our history of slavery, to repent for the present reality of racism. Let's not kid ourselves and think it's in the past. Amen. Uh, to to repent of the sin of abortion, and and I could go on and on and, yep. and down the list I could go. Um, so I don't think it is a bad thing to say, God, I'm on behalf of our nation. I'm sorry that we have done these things. Uh, these are not your heart for us. And and Holy Spirit, would you move in our land and lead us to change and change hearts and all of that? I, I think, res, do we have a responsibility to do that? Like, I wouldn't place that on someone as a burden to say, well, now are, you're repenting for your own sins. What about the sins of our nation? And I, I, like, I don't, I don't think we need to necessarily, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Here is. Here is where we need to be careful in doing that, though, because we can become like the Pharisee from the Pharisee and the tax collector uh, parable. Ah, okay. Right? So we can say, God, I am so sorry for the sins of, my, of our nation, and we begin confessing things that we are, ourselves are not responsible for. Yes. And we develop a little bit of a, thank goodness I'm not like those people Holier kind of attitude. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I would just say be careful in focusing exclu like I obviously I'm a male I've never had an abortion late breaking news here right like if I'm going to wow. repent for our nation's allowance for abort I think that's okay but I need to not stay there I also need to uh, repent of our nation's materialism which has its hooks in me and our greed which has its hooks in me uh, our 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 the overattention we give to things that are silly and don't matter, which God help me has its hooks in me. You know, I need to make sure I'm repenting of things that I see in my own heart as well, so that I'm not developing a pride that says, oh, you know, God, I'm so sorry for this wicked land that, you know, and thank goodness I'm not like them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love that. Well, yeah, what that, would you I, say? yeah, that humility. That's pretty awesome. Which, by the way, um, if we were to confess, let's say we're taking part in the confession of abortion. Um, as males, you go, well, we can't have abortion. Well, first of all, a lot of males pressure abortion. Yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of males fund abortions. But even more than that, in my opinion, the males are involved in the sex that creates the temptation of abortion. Yes. And so any engagement that we've ever had in sex, whether, you know, largely we think outside of marriage, mm -hmm. but any time that we have had um, been involved in sex that led to a situation where we went, I wonder whether or not I'm going to allow this child to live. Yeah. Okay. They, these are things we can repent oh, that is, for. That is a, absolutely a male sin, it, no it, question. Yeah. And so I, I think that even in thinking through maybe some of the sins of the nation, um, we're repenting for slavery and then we cross over and say, Lord, the amount of prejudice in my life is absolutely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so once again, highlighting that. Now, I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction, yeah. if that's okay. 
which is um, we really, really mix up the Old Testament and New Testament. Yep. And the Old Covenant and New Covenant. The Old Covenant that was with Israel was what Nehemiah was working with. And remember, they're a theocracy. So mm-hmm. they were a nation that was bound together as one corporate body underneath God. Mm-hmm. And they had representatives. So they had a representative king at a period. They had representative prophets. Right. They had representative who did indeed get called by God and communicated to by God. Yep. He then was became a priest of sorts, communicating God's will to man and man's response back to God. Yep. So it's more appropriate for a national prophet to confess the sins of his nation than it is for us. Yes. Uh, We are not the nation representatives. We are not, we don't have that authority or mantle that is placed upon us. Right. It would make more sense for the president of the United States to repent for the sins of the nation. It'd make more sense for our senators in the Congress Mm-hmm. to repent for the sins of the nation as representatives. Um, I think that if you are a national leader, a mm-hmm. uh, national spiritual leader, uh, Billy Graham, uh, being accepted by presidents, being accepted by a large amount of society as a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. can repent for the sins of the nations. I think it's a little more appropriate. It doesn't mean that we can't. Right. I think that Understanding that we're not all individual, but we're not all Old Testament collective Israel either. Right. There, there's, a, there's an in-between there. Right. We are a corporate community as Christians. We are a part of America. We are citizens of America. Therefore, we can speak for America, right. but not in the same way as a representative. We're not prophets in a theocracy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's kind of yeah. where I would go. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, yeah. And it is important to recognize that if, if we're going to, yes, re- repent of the sins of our land, that is that is fundamentally different than Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So, yeah. Okay. Good. So right. deviating from uh, the, and I realized my fake numbering actually was off. Oh, well. So there all is right. no numbers on Excellent. here, but even my fake numbering was wrong. We will keep you all posted if there are any updates on our numbering system <laughs> situation. Make sure to watch the website. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to deviate from the idea of more of the theological question and get a little bit more of the relational family practical question. Cool. So Pastor Brian, this person says, I am a new Christian and raising two boys to be men of God. I've been wondering for the past few days, what are some practices that your moms did during your childhood that you remember that were meaningful, that created the most impact, and that helped you bring, help bring you closer to God? You were raised by a mother? I was raised you by had a, mother. a mother. I have a mother. You were not raised by wolves. She just had a birthday yesterday. So oh, happy, happy birthday, bir- mom. Happy, happy birthday, mom. Woo! Uh, I was raised by a mother and a father. Very grateful for that. And, um, you know, my my parents, my mom specifically, helped me in a number of ways and continue to this day to ha- to exert positive influence over my life and over my children's lives in many regards. But uh, to be honest with you, other than uh, being forced to go to Catholic church until I was about 12, uh, my parents did not were not great influences on me spiritually. And I don't mean not great meaning bad. I just mean not great meaning it was not significant. So right. I am in the sense a not great person to ask about this because while my mom is wonderful, uh, she's not somebody who I've really, she's somebody I've looked to for direction in many regards, but I've never really looked to her for spiritual guidance. But I can only speak from my experience now as a father of two boys. Uh, and I always tell people, like, I don't know how to raise children to be Christ followers. I've never seen it done because it right. wasn't done in my household. And that's my only experience, right? So I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. But uh, a few just practices that we have in our family is, and this is an analogy that I've heard a preacher use, and I kind of like, I, I like it. Uh, you talk about building a fire. 
what do you need to do to build fire? If you're going to build a fire and build it well, you need good kindling. So if you just try to light a fire on, you know, damp logs, like right. it's not going to work. That's not right? going to happen. And, and I like the idea of our job as parents is to gather kindling. And then so when the Holy Spirit awakens something in our children's hearts— it can grow into a huge. It's preparing flame. the altar for the right. fire of God. Exactly. So, uh, so, so a big part of that is, and I, and part of this is being, you know, right, right, and I have great respect for a lot in the Catholic Church. So don't hear me bashing Catholicism, but because of sort of a religious quote unquote yes. childhood I have, I, I tend to swing way the other way and try to make spirituality in my family not rooted in obligation and demands yes. and everything else. I've and done really the same with my daughter. Rooted in the, you know, in the gospel and not be legalistic about things. Yep. But at the same time, in our family, we prioritize church attendance. You know, we have them here on the weekends consistently because I want them to be in that environment. We have practices in our home that are connecting them to God in in just the everyday stuff of life. Our our bedtime routine, for example, is uh, my wife and I will take each one of our, we used to do our children together, but then we realized they fought too much and this goes better if we separate them. But uh, we call it, the kids know it, we call it singing and praying, where each kid gets to pick a song to sing, it's usually Jesus Loves Me or Doxology or a hymn or something like that that we've taught them over the years. We sing, and then I ask them, uh, what do you want to tell God thank you for from today? And we'll think about what was something cool that happened today. And then what's something you'd like to pray for from today? And I'm just trying to teach them to think through yes, their so day good. in that lens. And the point of that practice, to be very clear, the point of that practice is actually not the prayer time. The point is to, over time, train my kids to look at life through the lens of, wow, God, I got to experience this today. I want to tell God thank you for that. And to look through the lens of, yes. man, I saw that hurt today. I want to teach my kid. I want to, I want to, or I saw that hurt today. I want to pray for that person or I want to pray for what's going on. And we pray for ridiculous things. Amen. We prayed for the kid down the street who got a new soccer ball because his old one popped. We prayed that it wouldn't pop. Hey. You know? Which is a serious it, concern it, when you're seven years old. But like the point, and, and like, we don't shame any of that. We encourage nope. all of it. That's right. And because we're just training them and thinking through thinking through life in that lens. And it's not a legalistic, well, we got to tell God thank you for something, but it's just a joyful, you know, what do we do? So, and then just that trying to- beautifully intentional. Anyway. Will you be my father? <laughs> Someday, Lance. Okay. Um, so that's just one little, pra- and I think that as parents, we can insert little practices to help point our kids to Jesus in the everyday. And, you know, I'll get back to you in 20 years to find out if- if we gathered the right amount of kindling and everything else. But your kids are a little further along in the process than, than mine are. Yes. Talk about- kind of what that's looked like yeah. in your home. Well, let me, let me jump back for a second because I have more questions for you. You were not okay. off the hook All yet. Right. But um, so I, I think that, let me, let me give you an idea that has made a big difference in my life. And that is, I believe that sociologists have made it clear that the guts of how women think about their own value in this world, they'll get from their dad. Hmm. Um, but they will role model how life is interacted as a woman by their mom. Mm -hmm. In the same way, the reverse is true, that boys get their guts of do they matter in this world from their mom. Hmm. That's why all football players are always going, hi, mom, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And you're like, wait a second, mom didn't train you out (laughs) in the park. Uh, Dad's going, I'm getting ripped off here. But they will role model or disagree with um, how men are based on their father. 
Hmm. Now, having said all that, we had a mom raising boys. And I just, that in the question, the lady yep. that submitted this. Yep. And I want to tell you that you have a massive impact on your boys because you're going to tell them whether or not they're valuable. Yeah. Uh, they're going to carry that forward. So as you invest into your boys, and this is all leading to a question for you, Pastor okay. Bray. But as you invest in your boys and say, you know, even when they're little tiny and you're going, look at my strong little guy and all this stuff, you're breathing life into your sons Mm -hmm. and they will always protect you because of that, because you have told them that they are valuable. Mm -hmm. This is another reason why there's a lot of body image and insecurity issues in our nation because of fatherlessness, because of dads not in in putting into their daughters. Yeah. Okay. So... um, Having said all that, you told a story, and I don't, I'm outing you now. <laughs> I don't know whether or not you want to talk about this on the air or not. Well, it doesn't matter, does doesn't it? doesn't matter <laughs> now. I love it when people go, can I ask you a question? You're like, like another uh, one? Yeah. You just did. <laughs> anyway, um, so here's the deal. You told me a story a long time ago about how when you were growing up and you were insecure about some things, yeah. that your mom actually would tell you different things about you Um, (laughs) and that she would say things, you know, about you being smart and about you being, are you okay sharing that story? Because I feel like for this mom to hear that beautiful story, I've never forgot it. It was so impactful to me. Yeah, no. And this is, this is, I'm so grateful to to my parents for this is, um, and, and yeah, no, I, I talk about this, uh, pretty, pretty often and pretty openly because I I do think it's a, I do think it's a common experience. So I'm glad you brought it up. So, so the, the short version of kind of the background is uh, I've got a very, very, very big head like very big head. Like I can't just go to a hat store and buy a hat. It's got to be special ordered. And I've got like, literally I have, it's like a shoehorn except for your hat and it keeps it stretched out so that I could wear it without getting a headache. I own one hat that I can just wear comfortably without having to do that. So um, that's not so bad as a grown adult, right? but as a kid, that was a problem. Right. Yes. Uh, I looked real, real weird. So I got picked on all the time. Yes. And um, I got my big head from my mom. She had a big head too. And she grew up and her parents never really talked to her about it. So she just suffered all of this abuse from peers and yes. everything else Quiet. without her parents really engaging her on that stuff and without them talking through it. So something that my parents did is they just, from a very early age, they were honest with me. They said, Brian, you've got a big head and kids are going to probably tease you for it. And when they do, you know, she would tell me silly things to say, like, oh, just tell them it's all full of brains. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, I, even as a seven-year-old, I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's you a know? thing. Um, but the heart behind it is yes. really beautiful. It that was. She, that she wanted to speak value and affirmation into me in the midst of really what even to this day, I mean, I share about my issues with insecurity pretty openly. And I, as I try to trace it back, I think it comes from a lot of the stuff I heard from peers when I was, when I was young. But I think that as a mom to, to then speak to kind of this woman directly or other moms of boys and, and girls, but, um, as a mom of boys in particular, that you have an opportunity to speak life into your, your boys and to let them know they're valuable, especially as you see things that you know that they're going to they're going to struggle with out yep. in the, the world. And I think we've done a lot kind of culturally to to address bullying and everything else. My, my boys are, let's put it this way, my boys are seven and five and the smallest head in my household is my wife. Okay. So <laughs> they have got my big head. And like, I remember first grade, I was coming home in tear, tears every day. And as far as I know, my son, and I ask him all the time, yes. he hasn't heard anything. So I think he's wow. doing, he's doing okay. But 
anyway, as you see those things in your son, to be able to speak life into him is is absolutely huge, and it was transformational for me. So. Okay, so that story was transformational to me. That's why I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that you shared it. So I want to tell y'all a couple things. If you maybe are watching live, you can see Pastor Brian and stuff like that. But but if you are uh, maybe listening to this later on, I just want to share a little bit about what he is like as a man. So working with him and him being around for quite some time, we've been buddies mm-hmm. and connected at church, Brian operates with extreme amounts of confidence. When he when he talks about struggling with some insecurities and going through some challenges, you don't know that. When he moves around day to day, he is very strong and he is very knowledgeable and he is very smooth and he's very comfortable on his feet. And so you would assume you would not know per se that you ever struggled with things. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is due to the beautiful inputs that God has given you from your mom yep. and from your dad mm-hmm. and different things like that. Yeah. Because it is so, so much of what had been pain, mm-hmm. Jesus has redeemed yeah. a lot. And here's the other thing. The other thing is that, yes, uh, so so Brian, it is noticeable, but the minute you know Brian... It's re- it disappears. It's really weird. So, like, for example, like a lot of times he'll end up talking about it, and I have to, like, double take and go, I'm sorry, what are we talking about? You know, because it disappears. Right. Any difference between you and somebody else in terms of headside disappears to me because I always look you in the eye. Mm-hmm. You are just Brian to me. I don't notice a lot of different things about you physically. I avoid the profile shot. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. But I think that a big reason of that is because of your strength and your confidence and your peace with yourself that it makes it disappear and it only becomes a redeemed beautiful part of you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to give yeah. you affirmation oh, of just going, man, dude, you just killing yeah, it yeah. in this regard. No, uh, the other thing that I would just want to share, uh, just as we put this one behind us, is that um, I, the question was, what are some practices that can create impact on your sons to be men of God? And so I think that immediately Pastor Brian deviated from saying, well, my parents weren't really as spiritual that there are still tremendous character things that we can pour into our children, whether Mm -hmm. or not we're actively walking with God or not, Mm -hmm. and they actually matter. So when Jesus is building us, there's a whole set of tools that we need to learn to utilize. And Mm -hmm. one of those is things like self-confidence. One of those is things like wisdom. Some of those cross over heavily into the Christians have this, non-Christians don't. But a lot of it's a lot of it's uh, actually blended. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is that for the Christian side of things, my mom is the reason I'm a Christian today. Mm-hmm. My mom was my spiritual role model. And the number one thing that I remember is her role modeling her walk with God in difficulty. That mm. is the number one thing. So my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think I was 10 years old now that I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um in a very uh, susceptible time. And I remember it was caught very late. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the hospital and she was hooked up to all these tubes. And my grandparents came and stayed with us for a while because she was a single yeah. mom. My, yeah. my parents were divorced when I was seven. And so it was one hit after another. Yeah. And 
So watching her being a single mom who didn't want it that way, watching her go through cancer, which they ended up resectioning her colon. They took 18 inches of her colon out. And, wow. And uh, it was a miracle because back then she ended up having – she had lost so much blood. She had huge amounts of blood transfusions, mm-hmm. and they were all from third world countries without AIDS screening because it, we're cow. going way back wow. in the day. Yeah. And so there was a lot of opportunity uh, for problems. Yeah. God – Completely healed her. She's never had anything. She's 82 to this day, never had any cancer. She's great. That was a gift of God, but I didn't know that at the time. Sure. But watching my mom, every night she would sit in her chair in her room. She had a bigger master bedroom. She would sit in the chair in her room and read God's word. And she was very quiet. My mom is super quiet. I'm the opposite. I'm more (laughs) like my dad. And she is very gentle, and she just quietly was engaging with God. And I, we always joke that she had a bat phone to God, right? Like, <laughs> she could pick it up, and her prayers were extra powerful and all this stuff. Um, but it's because she had a daily, personal, deep, quiet walk with God is why I am the believer that I am today. So, yeah. mamas, you matter out there to your boys. And there, and it, this is this is cliche because it said, gets said so often, um, but it, it's worth repeating. Is is they're watching? They're at the end of the day, how you live your life is going to make a much bigger impact than whether or not you have devotions at the dinner table or what they look like and all that. I'm you know do have devotions by all means, but understand they're watching. Which okay, before we move on, now that you've told that like beautiful, very heartwarming story, yes, can I tell you a parenting fail story that came to my attention the other day? Oh, I love it. So, is it about me? Uh, no, it's about oh, me. Okay. No, it's about me. So this is this was hilarious. This was really funny. But it, but it was a profound example to me of especially with young kids, just they're watching and everything is very concrete in their world. So yes. anybody who knows me knows that I love the Sacramento Kings. I love sports in general, Amen. but I love the Kings and I love NBA basketball. And my son, Matthew, absolutely shares that with me, Uh, knows all the players. We have a blast watching games on TV and going to games, blah, 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 all that other stuff. So I am a very sort of cynical sports fan. And to me, part of the fun, now I'm always in control, but part of the fun is getting really excited when things are going well and just really whining when things are going badly. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you missed that shot, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's never inappropriate. It's never that. But like, you know, especially the exactly, especially on. players that I don't like, you know, I'll just like rip them all day long, you know, right. and I'll even be, Matthew, that guy is a stinker. They need to get him out of there and all that stuff. So anyway, so we do that and we have fun with it. So I'm at my son's soccer game the other day and I'm, you know, coaching the team. Matthew's on the bench because he's sitting out at this part of the game. And one of the kids uh, who their family actually goes to Bridgeway, he, you know, whatever, he makes a little mistake. And uh, I'm not, I'll say his name was Mark. His name's not Mark. And I hear my son go, oh, come on, Mark. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That is not a thing. We cannot do that. And, and realizing that, like, yeah. he doesn't get the difference between I'm just sort of messing around. I don't really think this guy on the Kings a bad guy. He's just no. not playing well. Yes. But for a seven-year-old, yep. he doesn't get the difference between that and his friends playing soccer. Yes. So just me being aware that, hey, I need to be careful and conscious of what I'm modeling. Wow. So that's so good. What a good <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you clarified that. So we had a big we, – we, I took him for a post-game donut because he played really hard and I was proud of him, but we had a little talk about yeah. how we, yeah. how hey, we behave. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so in that same line uh, of thinking as we kind of move forward, here, here's another question for you. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, Pastor Brian – I added that part. <laughs> Um, my question is, how as Christians can we control our anger 
and be the best children of God that we can be. I struggle with my temper and always find myself praying for new ways to try to find peace in myself and then self-control. How would you suggest that we attack these obstacles? Once again, I don't know that I'm the best person to ask because while my issues are I can be overly critical, I can be overly arrogant, I can be prideful in some kind of dumb, immature ways, but uh, <laughs> being being overly explosively angry is just not a thing for me. Yep. I saw it enough in different environments growing up that I just kind of said, that's never going to be me. Like, I'm not going to be the explosive angry guy. Right. And, and, and I, and I, I want to be careful in saying that because that can feel like a burden I'm placing on somebody who is more built that way. Sure. The fact is, part of it was my own personal formation, but part yes. of it was just the way that God made me. Personality, I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't take any credit for that. Uh, totally, but, me too. But I do think, um, I, just a c- couple things right off the top of my head is, is I think, um, you know, I look at what is Philippians 4 talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy of praise, all this stuff. What are you thinking about? What are you letting your mind dwell on? What are you what are you filling yourself with in your subconscious? Because I think that is reflected in the way that we respond to things. Uh, other things is, and I was just talking to, to um, my wife about this the other day, as it comes to like our children and how it's easy to get angry with them when they do stupid stuff, basically. And I, I just said, you know, one thing I do to keep from getting angry as a parent is I just expect it. If I pour them a glass of milk, I'm not like shocked and angry when it gets tipped over. Nope. I just sort of, I'm like, okay, they're kids. They're going to do dumb stuff. And it's not like I turn the, turn the other way at the dumb stuff. All right, buddy, let's talk about this. How can we not spill our milk? All right, let's go get a washcloth and you're going to wipe it up and all this other stuff. But it's not, oh my gosh, why did you? Da, 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 da. So yeah. I think a lot of times anticipating situations and thinking, okay, how am I going to react in the moment as opposed to just not preparing ourselves for different situations and we're left to whatever emotion springs forth, I think is important. Uh, so I think that can be uh, to, to look at patterns of your life and say, when do I tend to get angry and say, okay, how can I redirect in that those moments away from explosive anger? Because I think that you know it's a cliche, but if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And if you're not prepared for how you're going to react in an emotionally tense moment, chances are you're not going to do it very well. Uh, And then the other side of this, um, and this is not by any means comprehensive, there are lots of other things, and we'll speak into it in a second, um, is medication. Some of us just, it's a brain chemistry issue, and we need medication. Uh, In the same way that you need medication for a physical ailment or for depression or for anything else, uh, there are Medicaid, you know, mental health is a real thing. And for some of us, we need the help of a mental health professional and maybe the help of medication to deal with some brain chemistry issues that are causing us to get angry. And I think there's nothing wrong with that when it's done appropriately under the care of someone who knows what they're doing. So those are a few things that I would do. Well, yeah. And um, just as a side note for that, as far as sports, CTE. Right. So that's concussion issues uh, in sports and anger issues and lashing out. That becomes a brain chemistry. It's actually a a, a physical issue. All right. So I want to I want to talk about the idea that there are symptoms and then there is root cause. We talk a lot about symptoms. So let me let me share a, a fun story that was taught to me a long, long time ago by Dr. Tony Evans. If you guys are familiar with um, the Urban Alternative, I think is what his program used to be called. Um, Anyway. Um, he told the story, he said, uh, and he lived in one of those kind of, it seemed not really stucco houses, but the old school houses at near San Antonio. And he said, uh, he goes, one day I noticed as I was laying in our bedroom, he said, I noticed that we had cracks in our walls. Mm-hmm. And he said, so I called a guy out and make a long story short, he 
fix the cracks. Right. He said, and then I noticed later on of a couple, about six months later, there were more cracks in my walls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I already hired this guy to fix my <laughs> cracks in my walls. And he came in and he painted over them again. He said, and then there were cracks in my walls again. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I told the guy, listen, I'm tired of paying you to fix these cracks in my walls when they keep happening. He said, sir, your problem is your foundation. Your foundation is wrong. And so it's yeah. going to keep expanding your walls and causing problems because it's shifting. Yeah. Therefore, it's a symptom. It's right. it, I, I can paint this all day long, but you still have a foundational problem, yeah. right? Which I think is very powerful. Uh, uh, using another analogy to make my point, Old Faithful. Old Faithful is a geyser. Right, mm-hmm. which if you ever know anything about a geyser, is you kind of watch it. The fun thing is, it's a it's a water spout, so right. it kind of shoots up out of the ground. Well, what is causing it to shoot up out of the ground? The shooting out of the ground is a symptom. Yeah, the cause of it is the pressure yeah. underneath. The pressure underneath is taking the water table and and pummeling it, and then pressing it upward, and it explodes. Okay, yep. this is us. Mm-hmm. Right, we are exploding. Because of internal pressures. Right. We have something under the surface that is causing these cracks in our character, mm-hmm. causing these cracks in our personalities, causing these cracks in our attitudes. And so we have to get a little bit deeper and dig down and go, why are we so angry inside? Not why are we exploding on people, why we're doing that. Those are normal symptoms of an internal problem. Yeah. If you got that problem, that's just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure out why is our cup so full? Why is our heart so full? Why are we so tense inside that something simple can make us pour over? So yeah. the deeper issues is it usually has to do with things like trauma in the past. It has to do with insecurities. It has to do with some deep down heart work yeah. that needs to be done. And then the pressure is released and the geyser doesn't blow. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we've all had situations where someone will really kind of maybe overreact to us about something and and I I can watch an overreaction happen and I think they're not reacting to what it sounds like they're reacting nope. to. There's something this else is, yeah. going on there. And and yeah. doing that What's work, on the table is not what's all on the table. Yeah, whether I mean and I think that's a huge point is to whether it's through prayer, whether it's through talking things out with a trusted friend, whether it's going to see a counselor to really get to like gosh, what is really going yeah, on underneath? Something's going on. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a real big deal. Uh, I'm going to throw a real quick question at you which yep. um, even though it's theological and it's heavy, you've already done some study on this. You uh-huh. already know this kind of stuff. Um, here was a question that was sent in. What are yep. your thoughts on conditional immortality, also known as annihilationism? So yeah. l- breaking that down for the average person, um, do people really go to hell forever or do they get annihilated? Like once once they are determined to have eternal life that would be apart from God, does God keep them there or do you just go poof and they're gone? Pastor yeah. Brian, does love win? <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, the, the idea of annihilation. Thank you for that. Sorry. The idea of an, of annihilationism, uh, the idea that that, that that those who are not saved just simply cease to exist. Uh, it is it is popular amongst uh, a lot of different voices. John Stott, probably the most famous Christian voice who advocated for annihilationism, and and I think you can make a case for it. And the individual who submitted this question gave us some some verses that seem to indicate talking about okay, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, the one who can destroy both soul and body and everything else, but it's seems to me, and I, I want to make this very clear, I am holding this in a very open hand, yes. anything, much of anything that happens after death beyond salvation, I'm like, I'm just not really going to, 
I don't, I'm not confident enough in my position to really argue right. with someone about it, but it seems to me that annihilationism is incorrect, that in fact, we exist forever either in the presence of God or right. not. And as you and I have discussed in many environments in the past, the idea of hell is just this place where like everything's constantly on fire and it's just like random torture is, is inaccurate, but that those who are not saved do continue to exist apart from the presence of God. Would you more or less agree with that? Or? Yeah, that's why I gave it to you, because I knew you knew it, and you nailed it, and I don't have anything else to say. So we're going to finish right. up with one last question. Let's do it. Um, and even though it's directed towards me, I will redirect it towards you. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Pastor Brian, the event in Pittsburgh, which of course was a synagogue shooting, if you're listening to this later, there was a synagogue shooting where many, many people lost their lives, and many people were wounded, and it was very uh, racially motivated. It was anti-Jewish very directly. So the event in Pittsburgh and other um, other denominations, I think is what that means, uh, have become victims, in, and that whole thing is disturbing and very, very sad. I've seen an increase of security at Bridgeway, and I've noticed, I, I didn't notice this previously, all the security in and around Pastor Lance. Well, that actually bothers me. However, having been in law enforcement, maybe I'm overly sensitive as I, I don't understand the necessity and I do understand, understand that. It. Yes, I do understand the necessity, and I see it clearer than most. But when does faith and God's protection of us intervene? Where does faith and proper due diligence intersect? It's a great question. So, to, so first of all, obviously, what happened in in Pittsburgh is just an awful, awful, awful tragedy, and and couldn't continue, condemn it stronger. Continue to, to to go out. I mean, it's just terrible in every regard. Um, the question is more about security and trusting God and all of that. Um, I don't believe those two things are either or. No, at all. And and I I think that uh, if you carry sort of and first of all it's a great question um, and it's not the first time we've been asked nope. of like well wait why do we have to have security if don't we trust God to keep us safe well I trust God to keep me safe but I still buckle my seatbelt absolutely you know what I'm saying and and the fact of the matter is and I've gone on record many times talking about how I don't like violence I don't like guns I don't like any of that stuff yes. but I recognize it is necessary in a public place with public figures with a lot of unarmed people around, yeah. having people who are ready and able to uh, address a situation should, God forbid, it occur, are necessary. And does that mean? And, and because the thing is, is I don't believe, I don't believe that God calls us to trust Him in such a way that we are neglecting due diligence and security. Uh, I like, believe that's I don't, poor stewardship. I, exactly. I, I agree. I believe it's poor stewardship. I believe that God will do what God is going to do, but I lock my doors. I believe that God will do what God's going to do, but I don't leave my young children alone by a swimming pool. I, I mean, and, and, and you could say, well, don't you trust God? Well, yes, I trust God, but I also trust that God doesn't want me to be foolish. Yes. Right. So, uh, in the, in, and, I, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, and there are lots of sort of made up stories about this where it's, you know, something awful happens and we say, God, why did you let this happen? And right. he says, like, um, I gave you a life raft, you know, and you still drown like that, you know, like that sort of a thing. Um, I think having security is to, to use a word you just said, it is proper stewardship. Yes. It's just to, it's to say when you come in this building, do we believe that God is covering us and God is with yeah. us. Yeah. But you know what? I also think he was with that church in Texas where there was a shooting, Absolutely. you know, and they didn't have security there. Yep. Uh, we recognize that part of the stewardship of this building and more important, I mean, 
a million times more importantly, the stewardship of the individuals in the building yes. is having security there to make sure people can come and worship in a safe environment. That doesn't mean we don't trust God. Uh, that means we want to pro- appropriately steward what God has given us. And just to clarify, we've had security for a very long time. So years that's not and a, years and years. That's it's not that's, new. That's not a new thing. And there are a variety of less dangerous reasons why you need security around. I mean, if yes. you know, if, if you or a preacher gets, gets so cornered in a conversation and you don't have a watch on or anything else, and next yes. thing we know, it's you're supposed to be on stage in four minutes. It's like, well, that that's a problem. It's just right. having different eyes on things like that. What, what would you say to this question? Uh, a couple pieces. One of them is the sheer presence stops a lot of temptation to difficulty. Yep. Okay. So for example, let's say somebody is mentally ill and they want to lash out at a pastor because of what they just preached about. Well, they may well contain themselves a little better knowing that they see visible security mm-hmm. walking with They're not going to get away with yeah, it. Yeah, they're not going to get away. And so that creates an accountability, which I think is super healthy for people to keep themselves in check. So most of what they do is prevention, mm-hmm. not necessarily responding to, right? right? So if we're going to say, well, how many situations have they responded to where the, where the pastors were in danger? That's, that's much more tiny. Right. That's, a, that's a small handful. Right. But here's the other thing. You'll notice that in all these shootings, it may have been triggered, their anger or whatever may have been triggered towards what the leaders were saying, but mm-hmm. an awful lot of other people were involved. Yep. And so we have high security around our children. Yes. So whether or not do we trust that God's going to uh, protect our children? Yeah, but a lot of times he's putting that stewardship in our hands. He, yep. he asked... Adam and Eve to tend the garden. God yeah. could have tended the garden himself. He said, no, you make sure. He even says, you leaders keep the wolves out away from the sheep. He yeah. didn't say, I'm going to do it. He said, you do it. Yeah. So when he imparts as the ultimate authority, authority and responsibility down to his under shepherds, yeah. that is our responsibility. Yeah. If not all those people needed to get shot, that's our job. Yeah. Do we have uh, a police force that if there was an active shooter situation, we'll shut it down? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Am I proud of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The majority of what they do, however, is accountability for bad behavior, which is just simply training. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I couldn't be more thankful for our security team. And because of their presence, we have had a very, very peaceful uh, church. Yeah. For, for, you know, I've been here now 21 years. That's a really, really long time. That's a long track record mm-hmm. of, of, of relative peace. When I'm on the radio, when I am out as a public figure, when I'm a regional leader, people hear me that I never see. Yep. I don't know what their experience is interacting yep. with what I'm about to say. And I'm very agitating in a lot of things that I say. <laughs> so would I not be stimulating somebody that is struggling with mental illness and things like that? Of course. Yeah. We invite in broken people into the church because that's why we're here. Yeah. But we better be good at it, yeah. and we better steward it well. And how amazing is it that we have a team of men and women yes. who have their eyes on everything all the time. They're extraordinary. You know, really, wherever you are on campus, there's security, not in an inappropriate way, but nope. in a very appropriate way, keeping an eye on what's going on. And I couldn't be more grateful grateful to them. And you know, and you know what? In a sense, they are God's provision for our congregation. They are. You know, they are working out God's yes. protection of us. In the same way that, you know, yes. God, God is going to provide for your children their food today, but someone else is going to make it. 
Yep. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So, and you know what? The fact that this person hadn't noticed it before means they're really good at blending <laughs> in the background. So, um, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this segment. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. And just remember, when we talk about engaging culture, we're talking about engaging culture at all levels. We're engaging culture not only in the big issues, but in the day-to-day issues. Culture, for us, is anything we're engaging with life. So... I believe, and Pastor Brian believes, that we should look through everything, look at everything through the lens of Scripture and through the eyes of Jesus. We need to be wise, and we need to be Spirit-led. Hope you all have a wonderful day, and we will see you again in two weeks. We'd like to thank you. Uh, uh, well, you know what? I just messed that up. It's <laughs> we'll not see you weeks. next week, because today's a fifth Tuesday. Oh, I hate that. We'll be I... back next week. Thanks to Montana, the video director. Thanks to Lucian, the audio director. I'm just going to end this outro well done right now thank you for listening to engaging culture a podcast by bridgeway christian that was church awesome. if you enjoyed the show please consider subscribing and leaving a review on itunes thank you so much for listening music is used under the creative commons license and is provided by dexter Britton.